This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, God. <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. American Sex with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. Hey, hey, everyone. I'm Sonny Megatron. And I'm Ken Melvoin Berg. Not enough time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm stoned. Are you again? Yeah, oh, God. I'm sorry. Well, welcome to episode. Not sorry. <laughs> welcome to episode Stony Stone of American Sex Podcast. Forty four. Forty four. Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. We decided to just be funky. We're gonna do things completely out of order today. So when we're done with our interview, you want to know who our interviews with? Dan Savage. But when we're done with that, stick around. We got a listener question to answer. We're gonna tell you about the International Horse Day March we went to and all sorts of stuff. So just stay till the ending music. But first, Ken, tell us about Dan Savage, because I don't know who doesn't know who Dan Savage is, but tell us anyway. If if you don't know who Dan Savage is, you're living in a cave somewhere. No, seriously. So we have Dan Savage's awesome bio, though, and we're going to read it for you one way or the other. So Dan Savage is the author of seven books, including bestsellers, American Savage, The Kid, What Happened After My Boyfriend and I Decided to Get Pregnant, and The Commitment, Love, Sex, Marriage, and My Family. Savage's sex advice column, Savage Love, is syndicated across the globe. Dan is also the host of the Savage Lovecast, an award-winning sex and relationship podcast. Savage starred in an executive-produced Savage You MTV and the Emmy-nominated documentary series It Gets Better for MTV and Logo. He regularly appears on MSNBC and HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher as a commentator. In September of 2010, Savage created the anti-LG LGBT bullying video campaign It Gets Better project with his husband Terry, and it received both a Webby Award and the Governor's Award Emmy from the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences for its use of TV to inspire social change. This was such a fun interview. I really, really, really enjoyed it. I say that all the time, but I do. I enjoy each one better than the last, but then that's making our first guest seem like chop liver. I'll just shut up now. Bite your tongue. I know, I know. Let's get to what we've got going on so we can play the interview. We have a new giveaway this month with Castle Megastore. In June, we're giving away an Ojoy Lily Rose Silicone Thrusting Rabbit Vibrator. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) It's actually stoned. (laughs) (laughs) Go to SunnyMegatron.com slash Ojoy. And don't forget, you can get 20% off select items at CastleMegastore.com when you use code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, at checkout. And if you want to win a Femme Fun Ultra Bullet for you and a friend from Peep Show Toys, act fast. The last day of the giveaway is Wednesday. It's running now on my Instagram, and I'll also have a link in the show notes at AmericanSexPodcast.com. Also, my special deal on my favorite G-Spot toy ever is almost gone, too. Yes, 79 bucks for an authentic Enjoy Pure One, plus a jar of the butters from PeepShowToys.com. I know that's ridiculously inexpensive, right? So hurry, hurry on this one. It is over June 10th. I'll have the link and the discount code in the show notes, too. And lastly, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride. Oh, we need a song. Happy Pride. It needs to sound like a musical. No, Ken's looking at me. I'll just keep going. So for for Pride Month, Peep Show Toys is having a Pride Enjoy sale. So you need to use the code Pride Enjoy, P-R-I-D-E-N-J-O-Y, for 18% off a huge collection of awesome toys. Two pages full of some of my favorite toys, lubes, and accessories like dildos with the pride flag stripes on them from blush novelties. I'm talking all the prides like LGBTQ, trans, bisexual, leather pride, so many cool designs. 
also in the collection, my favorite Womanizer Pro 40, the Femme Fun Ultra Bullet, and there's close to, I think, like a 100 products. So really cool stuff. Go check it out. It goes on until the 19th of June. Again, at peepshowtoys.com. Use code Pride N. J-O-Y, and I'll have that link also in my show notes. Oh, and as always, you get 10% off everything at peepshowtoys.com when you use the code SUNNY at checkout. So, all right, are we ready, Ken? Are we ready to get to it? I am so fucking ready. Let's do this. Do you even know what we're ready for? Are you two stone? Yes. Yes, you're too stone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always ready for Dan Savage. All right, here's Dan Savage. Everybody, I'm so excited about our guest today because he's the most famous person we've had on the podcast so far, so really doesn't need any introduction, Dan Savage. Dan, thank you so much for coming on American Sex Podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. If I'm the most famous person you've had, that's setting the celebrity bar so low that it shouldn't be that hard <laughs> for you guys to like clear it again than with somebody more famous. Well, uh, you know, it's funny. After our last conversation a couple weeks ago, I also owe you a big debt of gratitude because we were talking about piss play on your show. And I realized that I've been treating piss play kind of like bowling. And I know that seems a little weird, but like bowling something I do once in a while, but I don't fucking want to watch it on TV. And after talking mm -hmm. about piss play, I decided I'm going to start watching piss porn. And it opened up an entire new world in my personal pornography of latex and piss play, especially the Germans. They have a, the market cornered on it, and I, <laughs> I never realized how pervasive it is. But So thank you, Dan, for inspiring me to watch German latex and piss porn. Uh, you are very welcome. Um, I was actually just in uh, Germany and went shopping for a wedding present with a friend for a friend of my friend. Uh, and he wound up getting this person a uh, piss funnel gag because it's that kind of marriage. So oh, my God. That is brilliant. Oh, we got a theme going uh, here. I like it. I mean, it's, there, there should be a pile of gifts at this wedding that can't be opened in front of family <laughs> and the pile of gifts that can be opened in front of family because it's that kind of wedding. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was our wedding. We opened all the gifts in front of everybody. <laughs> But, you know, we all have something in common, aside from piss play. I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing in common. But we, you and I, both grew up in Chicago. And I read that you went to Quigley. Okay, I was a Catholic school I girl. I was, I was St. Scholastica. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, when I think of the Quigley boys, you know, way back in the, in the 80s when I was in high school, I think of, you know, kind of sort of the nice Catholic schoolboys, And my brain's like, I don't think Dan was one of those. Were you one of those? Well, I was a tormented closet case Catholic schoolboy. I only went to Quigley for about a year and a half. Um, did something then to get myself expelled because I was absolutely miserable. And my parents didn't want to let me transfer partway through my sophomore year. So I took a couple of M80s to school and blew up my locker, which today <laughs> you would be in prison for the rest of your life, like a terror attack on your school and got myself expelled. The police weren't even called. Um, but, you know, I was a tormented classic case. Quigley wasn't, for me, like a bunch of nice Catholic boys. It was Lord of the fucking Flies in there. People really? were, yeah, people were mean and vicious. I got assaulted my first day there by an older, uh, not sexually assaulted, just like punched in the face by an older uh, student. And it was just, you know, there was something kind of like, fairy-ish about being in an all-boys school like it was suspect you guys want to be priests and you know you're in an all-boys school and there's no girls around and so there was a lot more kind of aggression and performance of aggression to you know establish that you weren't you know soft or interested in the priesthood for the wrong reasons like you were in flight from your homosexuality which is the reason i was interested in the priesthood but then I realized I could live in a big house, wear dresses, and sleep with guys without getting ordained, and that was that. Well, thank God, because now we have Dan Savage. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so you started out as, you know, you're, you're an advice column guy, but Ann Landers, obviously, you're not. So how did that happen? Because you started this years ago. You were rather young when you started writing your column, right? I was. I was 26. Um I'm literally sitting at Ann Lander's desk right now. I brought Are it really? the auction of her effects. Yeah, I'm coming <laughs> to you live from Ann Lander's desk. Um, I bought it at the auction of her uh, 
effects after her death. Uh, with her daughter's permission, I didn't want um, Anne Landry's family to think I was being disrespectful. I just wanted to keep the old desk in the advice racket, and I did. Um, but, I, you know, I, I met somebody who started, like, you can't, uh, getting an advice column is hard. I get questions every day from people who want to do advice columns, too, and want my help getting started, which is a little weird, because I don't want there to be more competition than there already is. Uh, but you, you kind of fall into it. I met somebody who's starting a newspaper, and he was telling me about it, and I said, oh, have an advice column, because you everybody reads those. You see that Q&A format. You can't not read it. And he said, excellent advice, write the advice column. And I wasn't angling for the gig, and I'd never written anything for publication in my life before that. Uh, and so I started writing the advice column, and uh, nearly three decades later, here I am talking to you live from Ann Landers' desk. <laughs> wow, wow. So when you started the advice column, it was mainly a gay advice column, right? No, no, uh, quite the opposite. The idea, it was in a straight paper to begin with called uh-huh. Stranger, and the idea was I was going to give uh, sex advice to straight people as a gay guy. And it was supposed to be a joke. Like I was going to treat as a gay person uh, straight people and straight sex with the same contempt uh, and revulsion that straight advice columnists had always treated gay people and gay sex with. You know, Ann Landers had a problem with gay people. She got over it in time. Like that's what we wanted her to do. So credit to her. Uh, but, you know, like I remember reading Playboy Advisor when I was a little kid and other advice columns that really like, didn't that, that weren't very gay positive and, and were very uh, obnoxious and awful to gay people. And I don't know why gay people wrote in. And so, you know, it was going to be a joke. I was going to do it for six months or a year and write this advice column where I was like, ew, straight sex, gross. Your poor mother must be heartbroken. Here's some <laughs> sex advice. Go away. Stop bothering me. Um, you know, these opposite sex relationships, they never work out. But if you insist, uh, try this, maybe that'll save it. Uh, and the column like took off and straight people had never been treated this way in print before. And they kind of thought it was hilarious as opposed to scarring, uh, which is how I felt when I read those things and, about us. And, and, you know, within a year, this thing that I had kind of done as a joke under my feet became a real advice column because I started getting real questions from a lot of people. And within a year it was syndicated. And then, and then it just took off. And I started answering questions from queer people too. It's funny. Like I don't, I have, a, I have a quota. Uh, Savage Love is primarily in straight papers and for straight people. And so uh, I make sure that the questions from queer people are never more than 20% of mm. the questions. Because if it goes over 20%, straight people think it's not about them at all. So the c- questions are like 70% straight. I start getting letters from straight people saying, you never write about straight sex anymore. Oh, even though it's wow. 70%. And I sort of like over the years worked out that 80% is the magic number. If it's 80% about straight people, then straight people think the column is for them. If it's 79% about straight people, straight people think the column is about anal sex and faggots. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, all right, today, Dan Savage today sitting at Ann Landers' desk, you are a wealth of information. You you are on point. You know what you're talking about. But back then, Dan Savage, he's like, oh, my God, my <laughs> joke has turned into a real thing. Were you like, holy shit, like, I have to give real advice? How did you acquire that wealth of knowledge? You know, you seem to have all the answers when you write an advice column because you only print the questions you have answers for. Oh. You also, if you don't know the answer, you go find it and then you roll it out like you knew it all along. (laughs) That didn't stop me from making mistakes, though. Uh, You know, 1991 was when I started writing Savage Loves. There was no Google. There was no Wiki. There was no Internet. If you wanted to know something, you had to open a book or go to a library or already know it. Right. And so I, I made plenty of mistakes. And I always... I've taken sort of a light approach to the column. Like I've, I've called it and thought of it from the very beginning as a conversation I'm having in a bar with my friends about our sex lives when we've had a couple of drinks. So, um, you know, when you're having that kind of casual conversation, if you make a mistake, uh, one of your friends may push back. And so I would make mistakes and readers would push back and I would learn and they would learn. And that was part of the column. But I think my most famous mistake was I put the clitoris in the wrong place the first time I mentioned it. Oh, no. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> turns out it's not on the soft palate. That's just where my clitoris is. (laughs) You know, you're right there with, like, I think 99% of all men don't know where the clitoris is. So I think that you were on to something at that point. 
and I was a gay guy. I didn't need to know where the clitoris was. That's that was a country I was never going to visit. You know, that was <laughs> Uzbekistan. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, what's are, the capital of Uzbekistan? I don't I, care. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you don't need I'm to not know. Going. So, as the years go by, you've done some really serious stuff. A, you're you're exceptionally political. And you've done some things that have been world-changing, life-changing, life-saving. Namely, what I'm thinking of is the It's Gets Better project. So how did that start? Did you think it was going to blow up to be as huge as it ended up being? Uh, I I didn't. You know, Terry and I, when we started that, uh, thought maybe we'll get 100 videos. That'll be good because then it'll be this resource that I have uh, to refer the LGBT kids who write to me to like, check out these videos, take a look. Like I, I kind of thought I was putting together, you know, with the assistance of my listeners and my readers, this little library of you know, advice and uh, perspective. Uh, I didn't, you know, that we had a thousand videos within a couple of days and now there's 500,000 videos or whatever it is that w- we were overwhelmed wow. by the response. And Obama um, even did one. Obama did one. Hillary did one first, actually. The State Department made one um, before Obama did. And, you know, for my, in my estimation, the celebrity videos, the politician videos, the corporate videos, those are great because they really signal to LGBTQ kids that uh, society, despite what you may hear from Mike Pence, is on your side. Um, but it's the advice from individual uh, lesbian, gay, bi, and trans individuals that I think is really the most helpful. Because when you look at those videos, it's it's not just people saying, sit there, wait, it'll get better magically around you. It's queer adults talking about what they did to make it better for themselves. The, you know, what they, had, what they said to their parents that worked, um, the strategies they employed at school and at work and at home, in their churches, uh, to make it better for themselves, even if that meant extricating themselves from those situations. And I think the reason the project took off was, you know, a kid who's uh, African-American or Muslim or poor, because class-based bullying is a kind of bullying, uh, goes home to parents who are African-American or Muslim or poor, sometimes all three, and can ask their parents for advice, tell their parents what's happening to them and expect sympathy and expect constructive, helpful input. Uh, a kid who's queer goes home to, in almost all cases, parents who are straight, and in the most dangerous and tragic cases, parents who are also and already bullying them too, and can't ask their parents for advice. And their parents, if they're straight, even if the kids can open up to them, they didn't live it, they didn't walk it, they don't know. And so you had all these queer adults out there who had to figure it out for themselves. They did. And then once they got through it, all of that knowledge, all that hard-earned wisdom just sat on a shelf unaccessed and unused. And what the project did was it allowed queer adults who had figured out how to walk that path to illuminate that path for queer kids who are walking it now. That is absolutely amazing and so, so helpful to, to kids that don't really have any other resources. Well, there's some criticism of the project out there, often from people who, uh, don't know what they're talking about. Because <laughs> um, a lot of the advice is for kids who are in really dire circumstances. Uh, kids who you just can't tell them to come out and start a GSA at their school because if they come out, they will be uh, thrown out. 40% of homeless youth are LGBT kids who were kicked out of the house after their parents found out they were gay or after they came out to their parents and they reacted badly. Um, so there are some kids who the advice they need is to hold on and wait uh, and trust and get to a position where you can come out and here's how to do that. Um, but a lot of the criticism of the project comes from people who are in a really privileged position where they could be out uh, and out young. Uh, that's exactly what I was just going to say. Like I'm thinking like your kid in like Montana in the rural areas, like they don't have another Avenue. Like they're in the, you know, they're right. in a very from religious area kid, that they don't have a choice. Kid growing up in a fundamentalist Mormon family in Idaho, who's 14 years old knows that she's queer. What is she supposed to do? There's not an underground railroad for queer kids. There's not resources out there for them. And sometimes the best advice is to wait. That That's really, really great advice. And thank you for doing it, by the way. Now, one of my favorite Dan Savage facts is some of the stuff that you've actually added to the common lexicon. Uh, one of my favorite words, of course, of all time, and this is something that is probably going to be 
one of the things they remember about you 500 years from now is the word Santorum. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that? In my, one of my favorite substances, by the way. Well, the Santorum campaign, like a lot of my best ideas, wasn't my idea at all. <laughs> a reader uh, in 2003, Rick Santorum, in an interview with the AP, compared uh, same-sex couples who wished to marry to people who rape children and fuck dogs. And that was so offensive. Um, and it was, you know, headlines for a few days, and then it began to fade. And a reader wrote in saying we should have a campaign to come up with a new definition for Santorum that will forever link him to these odious comments and punish him for them. Um, and so I had, I put that in my column. I solicited uh, definitions from readers and then I had a contest and everybody voted and the readers picked the frothy mix of lube and fecal matter. That is sometimes the byproduct of anal sex. <laughs> a lot of people think the most important word in that sentence that makes it so gross is frothy. Um, I think the most important word in that sentence is sometimes because if you're doing anal sex, right. Uh, there won't be any Santorum, <laughs> uh, not not of the Rick variety and not of the uh, frothy variety either. Um, and what was so great about this campaign was that it totally worked. And he ran for, pre you know, he lost his campaign in 2006 to go back into the Senate and he lost it big time, by like 16 points, the biggest defeat ever for an incumbent senator. Uh, Thanks, science And for then that. he ran for he ran for president and people were like, oh, my God, how can someone whose last name is Santorum? Doesn't he know? Why would he change his name? Uh, <laughs> there were people out there who thought that his name was that, that there was Santorum, the substance before there was Santorum, the senator. And they only knew the definition of the substance because it came into common use. And when he ran for president, there were articles and newspapers and, and, and magazines about his, quote unquote, Google problem, because still the top result when you search Santorum when he ran for president uh, in 2008 and 2012 was the frothy mix of blue and people actor that sometimes by Barney Mills acts. And that was a problem for Rick Santorum. <laughs> yeah, I tell <laughs> you, you know when I good. hear the word, and, and, I think of the, the butt stuff. I don't think of the guy anymore. I think of Mike Pence. Speaking of which, <laughs> Mike Pence, straight for pay or by curious? You know, anybody, sometimes you get in trouble with some people on the queer left when you say, you know, make gay jokes about Mike Pence or Marcus Bachman. But it's often the case, you know, studies have shown that the most homophobic people have homosexual desire. And so the more homophobic a person is, the likely they are to be a twisted, fucked up closet case who's externalizing their internal conflict. And so uh, Mike Pence does strike me as someone who is externalizing an internal conflict. For sure. That means he's a closeted gay man or a closeted bi man or just heteroflexible and deeply, deeply unnerved by that. Something's up with him. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you've heard the stories when they had the Republican National Convention, what, in Ohio. Um, you know, it was in the news and even some of our friends that were sex workers said that the demand for, uh, men sex workers to visit the, all the Republicans that came into town went through the roof. So. Yeah. Look at, I, I went to CPAC once, the conservative political action conference in Washington, DC. And, uh, I'm old and married and my marriage predates dating apps, but I downloaded Grindr just to see what it would be like oh, no. <laughs> to get on Grindr at CPAC. And it was like a buffet of twisted, closeted, self-hating dumb fucks. Wow. Uh, people I wouldn't touch with my dick if, you know, they were magic and it made my dick three inches longer. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> touch them with my dick for any reason. Uh, but, yeah, there are a lot of them. Wow. The Republican Party, like the Catholic Church, is a good hiding place. Yes, it is. It very much is. So you, speaking of politics, I've heard about this newest project that you have going on. That's ITMFA. So what is that? <laughs> um, it's a riff on DTMFA, which is uh, Savage Love column shorthand for dump the motherfucker already. Because so many of the letters are from people who, you know, it's a terrible relationship and they need to get out. And everyone in their lives has already told them to get out. And they write to me and say, what should I do? And I have to just reiterate, dump the motherfucker already. And to save on word count, I just made that into DTMFA. Uh, and so when, uh, you know, Trump's in office, ITMFA stands for impeach the motherfucker already. And if you go to ITMFA.org, um, you can get ITMFA hats, buttons, lapel pins, T-shirts, uh, other stuff, stickers, 
And the fun of ITMFA is you wear, I wear the t-shirt, other people are going to wear the t-shirt uh, and people see ITMFA and they say, what does that stand for? And you get to tell them, impeach the motherfucker already. And then you have a big laugh if they're a sane person or you get into a political argument if they're not a sane person. Um, and it's really fun. And, and here's the best part. Uh, it's a fundraiser. Uh, we've sold lots of t-shirts, lots of buttons, lots of hats. We sell them very close to cost because we want them to be out there in the world. Uh, but we've managed, we've donated um, $200,000 to Planned Parenthood, the International Refugee Assistance Project, uh, and the American Civil Liberties Union, based on wow. the, you know, giving them all the proceeds from the sales of these t-shirts and buttons. So it's my, it's my little slice, my little very thin slice of the resistance is raising money for these three organizations. That's amazing. And, and I'm sure you as, you know, probably all your listeners and the majority of the country has had some really hard damn times the last couple of years. You know, I'm seeing with the people that I deal with, they're like, it's affecting my sex life politics. Like, I can't separate myself from politics. It's closing in on me. It's depressing. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing the same thing that that what's going on politically is affecting people's sex lives in a negative way? Yeah, I've seen some of that. It's so crushing. Um, and if you're paying attention, it's awful. Uh, the trick is every once in a while, you need to give yourself permission not to pay attention for a little bit. Uh, however you can engineer that, you know, I find pot very helpful in taking a break, uh, from Twitter and the news and the worries and the hand wringing as our democracy collapses around us and fascism rises all around the world. Um, I don't think that kind of escapism is a betrayal of the resistance of the movement, um, I think it's necessary for your sanity uh, and to stay in the fight. Uh, and so to, to people who call me or write me and say that they're just so devastated by what's going on politically that they can't do X, Y, or Z, I, I write them back or call them back and say, figure out what you need to do that clears your mind and allows you to enjoy the things you enjoy. And my, you know, not to get too maudlin, but my feelings about this are really rooted in the HIV AIDS epidemic and the the, the ghastly plague years when we were fighting for our lives, uh, the gay community really act up in queer nation, leading the fight against HIV AIDS, which of course doesn't just affect queer people or gay people or gay men. And, you know, we were going to demos and we were throwing ashes of, of dead lovers and friends over the White House fence and we were getting arrested at the FDA and in Congress uh, and dragged out by our, me personally dragged out by my elbows with handcuffs on and almost broke my wrists. And we were doing all of that and it was deadly serious. And we all thought, you know, we're all going to die. Uh, and we were all dying, it felt like. And yet, after a big demo, we had a big party. And at the big party, we made out in dark corners and danced uh, and, and had sex and made time for joy and art and pornography and theater and dance and everything else that made the life we were fighting for worth living. And now people need to do that too. And it, it isn't just for your sanity that you need to do that. You need to do that to demoralize our enemies, the people on the right, the people in Trump's camp. They want us all curled up in the fetal position on the floor, uh, unable to move. They want us uh, to destroy our sex lives. They want us miserable. And, one of the, and, and during the HIV AIDS epidemic, that's what the religious right wanted then too. That's what the right wanted then was us to be, you know, gay men to be just so devastated and destroyed that we couldn't function. And when they saw us not only fighting them and fighting for ourselves and fighting for our lives, but then taking time also to have joy and have sex and make out with cute boys after demos, it made them think, okay, we can't beat these people. And so we need, you know, if your sex life has taken a hit because of Trump, um, one of the ways you can fight back against Trump is to go get the sex you want and, and feel invigorated by it and, and stay in the fight and demoralize them in the process. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I I actually uh, did a keynote at a, a sex conference and it was a very similar sentiment. It was right before Trump got elected and we didn't think it was going to happen. But we talked about keep fucking like fucking for freedom. So, you know, like uh -huh. keep doing what you can do. Don't let him get you. So, all right. Exactly. So that's, that's one thing that you're seeing being the advice guy. 
you know, you, you common theme is dump the motherfucker already. I think most of us have that problem. We hang on too long. What are some of the other common themes that you see us fucking up? Because as humans, we fuck everything up. We fuck up love. We fuck up romance. We fuck up sex. <laughs> what are we consistently fucking up? Oh my god, the planet, the environment. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, this takes me to a very dark place. You you know, most of what human beings are fucking up, that's not interpersonal relationship stuff, which fear uh, and ignorance is often the driver of the fuck up in the interpersonal relationship space. Most of what we're fucking up on the planet is there's just too many of us. Um, And, uh, you know, any story you read about, you know, deforestation, uh, the plastic pollution in the sea, uh, mass extinction, these are all just tied to human overpopulation at the root. And so the biggest fuck up uh, that humanity is committing right now is there's just too much humanity. <laughs> too much human, too many humans. So, so keep um, fucking but, you know, for freedom, but use a rubber? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or <laughs> use a rubber or fuck a butt. You know, the original uh, birth control. Um. But when it comes to, to you know to relationships now, people fuck up. People are just afraid. They're afraid of being alone. They're afraid of telling the truth because then they might get dumped. And so they end up in relationships with people who don't make them happy, and they don't make happy because they're not with the right person, or the person that they're with doesn't really know who they are because they're they wouldn't risk telling them. I think it's one of the advantages that gay people have over straight people is that you can't be a gay person unless you told a very scary truth, and it makes continuing to tell less scary truths easier. You know, when you look your mom in your eye, in her eyes when you're 15 and say, I put dicks in my mouth, everything else isn't as scary. Any other thing you're going to tell anybody else about you sexually and what you want is not as scary as telling mom you're a cocksucker. Straight people don't have to do that. And so telling the truth about being poly or kinky or, you know, what they really want or the kind of relationship they really want or the kind of sex they really enjoy is really scary and hard for straight people in a way that it isn't for gay people. So we have one last question for you here, Dan, and it, and this may not be within your bailiwick, but I want to ask you this anyways. Um, Sonny's Uncle George is in his uh, late 80s, or no, he's 90 now, uh, and he's gay and he wants to go into um, like a retirement home, but only for gay people. And we have the privilege of living in the city of Chicago where they have such a thing. Uh, and mm-hmm. as we age, like I have not even thought about the possibility of the differences between different kinds of retirement homes. Have you thought about anything to do with being gay and aging? It's a real problem. It's just a big story, I think, in the Chicago Tribune about um, out gay and lesbian senior citizens uh, going to nursing homes where then they're brutally abused for being gay and having to flee or go back into the closet and transfer to another nursing home. And it just when you consider the sacrifices and the suffering of the really the Stonewall generation and the HIV AIDS generation, um, it's just no way to repay the debt we owe them to let them suffer like that in nursing homes uh, and to be abused like that. And we do need to create more institutions and more that, that are for queer people, uh, retirement homes or nursing homes for queer people, and then also programs and outreach to nursing homes where there are queer people, uh, because there's never going to be enough queer only or gay uh, nursing homes to accommodate everyone who might need to enter one. Um, yeah, I haven't really thought about it personally because I just keep thinking someone's going to kill me. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's sort of the it's the upside of getting as many death threats as I do. Like, I don't really have to plan for retirement because sooner or later someone's going to blow my head off at a speech. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, well, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us. I know you're super duper busy, so we really appreciate it. But what we want to find out and tell our listeners is where can we find you? Where can we find out more about what you've got going on? And is there anything that's next? Uh, You can find me at um, savagelovecast.com. Uh, that's where the Savage Love Cast is. Uh, also links to my speaking events and and other things. You can also find me at Hump, my little dirty porn film festival. And if you want to read my column, it's in papers all across North America and in Italy, in Italian. So if you're going to Rome, pick me up. Um, but you can find me in my home paper, thestranger.com. Uh, and there you will find Savage Love and the Savage Love Archive and the Savage Love Letter of the Day. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, guys. It was a real pleasure. Mm-hmm. 
You know what, Ken? What? I feel kind of excited right now. Like, we're back at the end. Like, hey, we're a surprise. Like, the prize you find in your cereal are like desserts. We're desserts. I like the prize in the cereal better. But if we were the prize in the cereal, wouldn't we just like pop up in the middle of the interview and be like, hey, we're going to talk to you about something no, else? I would take that bag out and I would eat half of it and then I would like <laughs> go underneath and get the fucking prize. Oh, but you're stoned too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, what do we do today, Ken? We went to the International Horse Day March. It or is was, that or is that a trick question? It's not a trick question. You're like, I got stoned. That was afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was it was I don't know if fun is the right word. I mean, we had a good time, but actually, it was it, important. No, it was it was important, but it was fun. It was actually one of the more fun uh protester rallies that I've gone to. It was very upbeat, um, uh, but very informative, got their point across, no negative police interaction at all, no police at all. Mm-hmm. And it was like well over a hundred people that had gotten together in support. Yeah, I was actually watching um Susie Q was live streaming LA's oh, God, LA's and Las amazing. Vegas were, were huge. Huge, huge. But so for those of you listening who are like, what is the International Hordes Day March about? It is to support sex workers. If you've listened to our podcast, you've heard us talk quite a bit about SESTA and FOSTA. There are bills to stop sex traffickers online, but really what they're doing is hurting sex workers, uh, making sex workers unable to screen their clients so they're unsafe. And it's hitting all kinds of sex workers, even people in adjacent industries like ourselves, you know, sex educators, even licensed marriage and family therapists are having a hard time advertising their services online. People who do, you know, quote, and I hate this, but legal sex work, like phone sex operators and cam models and all all of the different flavors of sex work, even massa- masseuses, certified massage, massage people, therapists, yes. and uh, also people that are selling lingerie online are yeah. not getting targeted. Yeah. So and when we say uh, massage therapists, you know, yes, sex worker massage therapists that do Nuru, but people who actually just do massage, massage therapy, they're having a hard time advertising. It's getting really, really bad. And what it's doing is it's making it impossible to find the real sex traffickers, which is the point of this bill, because basically it's demonizing anybody online who could be a sex trafficker, which is pretty much everybody who talks about sex. It's pro-doms. It's people in uh, alt-sex communities. They had to close down a furry dating website because it violated SESTA-FOSTA. And there's a new thing that's going on. Um, This uh, S-952 End Banking for Traffickers Act. All right, so here's what's going on. It's already been difficult for sex workers to have bank accounts. And I'm talking whether you're a porn star, whether you own a sex toy store, whether you, you know, whatever you do, you're going to get your PayPal shut down. Like a lot of sexuality educators have had their PayPal shut down. Uh, they've been denied their bank accounts, have their assets frozen. And this is without this new bill. Uh, this new bill actually passed the House overwhelmingly last month. And what it's going to do, it's going to increase the pressure on banks to shut down the accounts of anyone, again, suspected of engaging in sex trafficking, which is anybody that has anything to do with sex. So I'm going to put in the show notes a link where you can um, get hooked up with your local state representative to send a note on that you oppose this. And we would totally appreciate if you did because this fucking sucks, man. Yeah, they're actually using anti-money laundering techniques to isolate and identify people in their transactions. So people that have like a lot of PayPal transactions that might vary in amounts, but that could hit just about anybody. They're using the same thing for if like... you sell jewelry. Well, like, yeah, yeah you know? and it's meant to target like terrorists and pedophiles and murderers, people that are having large amounts of money that are coming through anonymously. So I don't know... I don't know how you know, they're gonna, yeah, how they're how they're gonna separate out from just somebody who has random amounts of things like a people freelancer, that are, a freelance artist, exactly. yeah, like a comic book artist. Any kind of freelancer is gonna have payments like that come to their Absolutely, PayPal. Yeah. So, uh, one last thing about Sesta Fossa, and this is more of a personal thing. I've been having a really hard time on Instagram. Um, so they, if you've heard, Instagram has banned a bunch of hashtags. So like you know, hashtag sex ed or hashtag whatever. 
They make it so if you use that hashtag, you don't appear in searches, so nobody sees your stuff, or they might completely shadow ban you, which means nobody can see your posts unless they're already your friend. So I found last week, I went through all my hashtags, and I made sure I wasn't using any banned hashtags. And by the way, hashtag American Sex Podcast is a banned hashtag because someone in the community reported it associated with abusive posts. So I got rid of all those hashtags because American sex was fine. So I changed all my American sex podcasts to American sex. The next day, American sex was banned too. This is just driving me batty. I'm spending so many hours trying to play catch up and not have this hurt our business. So I have a favor of you listeners. If you can please follow me on Instagram, if I get 10,000 followers, which I'm a couple thousand shy, but I'm hoping to get there quick, then I can embed links in my stories and do a lot of other things and have a lot of other privileges that will help our business and maybe counteract the ways we're being hurt by this online censorship. So I think if everyone who listened to this podcast on release day, who had an Instagram account, went and followed at tag Sunny Megatron, we'd make it. So... That is our... Please do it, guys. That is our plea to you. Just go to your Instagram. Help us help you. Yes. So we've got a listener question, right, Ken? I was just going to tell you. Sonny, you know what? What? We have a listener question. Oh, my God. What is it? So Sonny received this email this past week. I heard your interview on the Sluts and Scholars podcast on the Vivid Station, and I have a question for you regarding sex with my girlfriend. Now, to start off with, we do have a great sex life, and we have been slowly exploring new ways of having sex and somewhat introduced sex toys into it. But I want to do something that is completely mind-blowing to her. I want to be able to make her orgasm like never before, but I'm not sure on how to do that. I heard you guys talk about foreplay leading up to actual intercourse, which I believe is 100%. What would be my best way to go about giving her an orgasm like she's never had before? Sunny, since you have the equipment, you take this one. Okay, so before we even get to the equipment, Mr. Mystery Man... I want you to really sit and reframe. My name is Ken. No, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Person who wrote me. Sit back and reframe how much of your question is about your girlfriend and how much of your question is about you. So the people who say, you know, I want to blow your mind or those guys who go, I eat pussy so good. I am going to make you orgasm for hours kind of miss the mark. You know, it is for partners. They can feel your vibe. They know that it's coming from a place of, I want to be the best. I want to rock your world. Not, hey, what would you like me to do with your world? And I'll do that. So it's more about you than your partner. And also, being goal-oriented might not be what she wants either. So, you know, we tend to want to give our partners the biggest, best orgasm ever, right? But again, is that what she wants? Now, personally, I'd actually rather have more of a lead up to one orgasm because they exhaust me, right? I, I have one orgasm. I'm tired as hell. The second orgasms for me are never as good as the first. I'd rather be edged and teased and edged and teased up to one big orgasm. And sometimes, you know what? An orgasm isn't even required. So if you're going for one so steadfastly, that might detract from sensations that I could otherwise be enjoying, which we're not having sex together. But you know what I mean? Your girlfriend could otherwise be enjoying. So what I'm saying is you need to communicate. I know we sound like a broken record when we're like sexuality education. You must talk about sex. You must communicate. Blah, blah, blah. But it's true, right? All the questions that you ask me, you should really be sitting down asking her. So yeah, of course, in our minds, it's the most romantic thing to just know, right? To pull something out of your pocket like a pool shark that will make her toes curl. But that's what happens in fictions, you know, erotica, romance movies. It's rarely the reality. I cannot grant you a magic sex crystal ball that tells you exactly what she wants. Only she can do that. Now, I have some additional advice for you, and this is something that you should be doing just anyways. So in order to have attention to detail about what makes your partner come, one of the greatest things and one of the funnest things that you can do is watch each other doing mutual masturbation. But what you're doing is not focusing on your genitals. You want to pay attention to what she is doing to hers, what she touches, approximately how hard and where. 
even though this won't give you a magic formula to do exactly what you wanted to, it's going to assist you in the right way so that at the very least you have more attention to detail about her body and what makes her tick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, we can't give you the, the magic crystal ball, but we can give you techniques like that's one. Watching well, she each other- pull the wand out of the holster. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, you know, Ken gave you an idea. Watch each other masturbate. I often advocate something called optometrist sex, like get together and fuck your eye doctor. No, no, no. threesome with your optometrist. <laughs> no, although that might be fun. So get together and you know how the autometrist is like, what do you like? Thing one or thing two? Thing one or thing two? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Can you go back to two again? Well, you can do one again. And just make this like tonight we're going to have like our optometrist sex. It's going to be like a sex lab where we're just going to try new things and see what each other likes. But really, if you're looking for more specific things from us or any other sexuality educator, we need to know what your girlfriend wants and what you want to do. So if you into G-spot play, I gotcha. If you're into sensation play and you want to be real sensual, we got you too. But without having information from feedback that she's given you from conversations, telling you what sex thing will make your girlfriend go wild is like trying to hit a bullseye while blindfolded. And it is for you too. So step one, before you reach out to learn whatever techniques you want to learn, talk about sex a lot. Do research together. Do that optometrist sex. Watch each other masturbate. Go to some sex technique classes together at a local sex shop. Heck, maybe even make a whole date night out of it. Or you know what, if that's not available where you live, subscribe to something like Kink Academy's more vanilla sister site, Passionate You. I'm going to leave the link to that for you in the show notes, but I hope that helps you. And if you do sit down and talk and you find out more specific things, write us back. Hey, Sonny, do you know what time it is? It's big welcome. And I didn't know at first. I was like, I don't know what time is it. Fuck. It's big. <laughs> I could have passed that off and nobody would have known. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. <laughs> Thank you to Katie, Sono, and Sarah for joining our Patreon family this past week. Hey, we really love you a lot. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Thank you. So we're at 76 Patreon family members now, and we only need 24 more before the July 5th ass-beating extravaganza. Ass-travaganza. 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 Can I fuck you in the ass? Can I peg you? Not at the same time you're hitting me. No, you may not. (sighs) Afterwards? Before. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And to make it double the fun, we're spanking each other and recording it for you. Ha ha. I don't know how we're going to do that. we got to figure it out. Maybe tripods. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. Maybe bipods. Bipods? Panpods. (laughs) Uh, Polypod? (laughs) I don't know. What are we talking about? Polycules? I don't know. Anyway. I just want to use them to put the camera on, not to fuck somebody with. You don't fuck someone with a pan. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I don't know. What what are you talking about? (laughs) Anyway, listeners, by becoming American Sex Podcast Patreon family members, you'll get other perks, too, like getting all our episodes early, bonus stories from guests, extra episodes, and our surprise random mailings. So lots of awesome things for you. And we give away good shit on every episode. So you should listen because we're awesome and we give away good stuff. Yeah. And so now that we did... Ah! Ah, There's a bug on me! I'm glad you're recording. Ah, There was a bug on me! Please leave that in. Please leave that in. I just launched my (laughs) mouse across the room. Can we keep going, please? Well, I was just that now that we did things kind of order order i don't know how to end did we just go by but now we just ended it with bugs and screaming so that's a great way to end okay that's where we're ending it we're ending it on a really high note which is my scream and i got little ant i got ant legs smashed into my arm everything's tingling i think i'm gonna throw up so bye listeners bye, we'll listeners. see you next time I can't stop it because I threw my mouse across the room. I can't stop can the room. Rec- I'm just curious. Can you just play the clip with you screaming? Yeah, but I need to figure out how to stop this without a fucking mouse. Bye, everybody. Once again. Where's your mouse at? I don't know. Hey, psst, did you know American Sex Podcast has a Patreon page? 
Becoming a Patreon member is a great way to show your support for this podcast. It works kind of like, I don't know, funding for National Public Radio or how PBS works. If you appreciate our work and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge, then you can help support it. And as a member of our Patreon family, you'll be eligible for nifty, cool rewards like bonus episodes, surprises in the mail, and more. Oh, and you'll get all of our episodes early, bonus stories from guests, and access to our private Patreon feed. So you thinking about it? You want to know more? Check out all the details at patreon.com slash American Sex. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American Sex. Castle Megastore. Once you see their sex toys, you'll want more. I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song, but I really dig Castle Megastore. So that's my gift to you, Castle, your very own theme song. And you listeners get a gift, too. If you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out, you will receive 20% off your order. That's amazing. Castle mega store when you get your sex toys you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like oh my god give me water those are the best orgasm ever Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.